Welcome to Network, WIMS's podcast. I'm Pietro Dupasani. I'm the chairperson for Women in Mining South Africa. Today I speak to Dr. Tutula Balfour, who is the head of health from the Minerals Council South Africa. Dr. Balfour has headed and coordinated the South African mining industry's response to the COVID-19 pandemic during 2020. She's also a WIMSA patron and she leads the Mineral Council's Women in Mining Leadership Forum and the Women in Mining Task Team. Welcome to Network, Tutula. How are you today? Thank you, Petro. I am good and how are you? No, I'm good as well. Thank you. I was wondering, how did you end up working in the mining industry? I actually never planned to be in the mining industry. I qualified as a doctor. I worked for a short while in a hospital. And uh, soon after that, I went into a municipality and that led me into public health medicine, which I specialized in. So I also then worked for the Department of Health, National Department of Health. I must say, most of my best jobs, I'm headhunted. The one job I specifically looked for was my worst job ever. So I think it's fine that I was headhunted to go to the Minerals Council because uh, it probably was a great fit. And uh, so actually when I went there, there are people who were quite surprised because they knew me as an activist and uh, very socialist in thinking. And so going to what's seen as capital was for some people hard to swallow. And uh, there are a few people who even said I was selling out. So I was headhunted when I went to the mining industry and I've stayed there the longest and it's been a very uh, exciting journey that I've been on in the mining industry. So last year you played a big part in coordinating the South African mining industry's response to the COVID-19 pandemic. How did this come about and what did you learn from that experience? Well, as the head of health, you know, that's uh, very much squarely in my domain. And in fact, we see it as an opportunity for the health departments in all sectors to really show what they can deliver. Because in the mining industry, we're always complaining about, oh, but you're not looking at health issues. It's always safety, safety, because safety is quite dramatic. People splash, if I can put it like that, sorry. But, uh, you know, injuries are right in front of you. They are horrific. And so people are always looking at that. But they forget about the people who are exposed to noise, to lung contaminants, and which then take time. And, of course, when people are sick, they also move away. You don't see them. They get sick away from the workplace. So for once, and it's unfortunate that it had to be COVID because it's quite a terrible disease, People can die within days when they have the disease. So it actually took COVID to really shift some focus on health. And a lot of companies needed to check just how robust their health services were, and they had to beef them up. So when the pandemic, in fact, started in March, arrived in South Africa in March, we were already preparing, and we then were managing regarding the prevention and then that moved when the vaccine it became clear that we need vaccines to overcome this uh, disease. We've, we, we've done then a lot of work now this year on vaccine preparedness. And uh, in fact, if you look at companies, their workplaces, the mining companies are leading in terms of readiness to be able to be vaccine sites. And they form the majority of some of the workplace sites which are currently being registered by the Department of Health. So 
I got involved simply because it was squarely in my space and even beyond my what I do at Minerals Council. I did participate in the Eastern Cape. I'm from the Eastern Cape, so the Eastern Cape has very poor health services. So one tried to assist there as far as possible. So I'm on the Premier's Advisory Committee there on COVID-19, as well as the ministerial one at a national level. So one has also tried. It's It's really... A disease that challenges what is it that can be done and done quickly. And so if you want to make an impact, you have to do that very quickly. And that's what one tried to do as much as possible. Yeah, and I'm sure there's a lot of good stories that came out of that. I know you published a a list of COVID-19 heroes and heroines. Yes, we were very happy that we could recognize our members. We asked our members who in your company really went out of their way to do something on COVID. And of course, it was women because it was part of our Women in Mining initiative. And so we had a number of COVID-19 heroes which were recognized. And uh, there was a set of key people that were mentioned, but everyone who was nominated received a certificate. So I also happened to receive a certificate. And uh, that was, for instance, the Minerals Council. I was instrumental in making sure that it supported the Eastern Cape with oxygen supplies because, uh, you know, oxygen was running short and they didn't have the mechanisms for supply of oxygen. Yeah, I mean, and congratulations on being one of the heroines. So, Together with all of this, uh, the Minerals Council released a Women in Mining white paper in March 2020. And some of the highlights from that specific white paper was that the participation of women in business has been shown to positively influence the bottom line of companies and to contribute to enhance sustainability. Furthermore, the white paper also stated that women only account for 12% of the mining industry and that in mining companies, gender-inclusive workplaces are generally safer And then one of the other things was that the mining industry needs to do more to attract and retain women at all levels. So those are some of the highlights from the report. So that led to a number of work streams and work in the Minerals Council. Can you tell us more about that? You know, from that white paper, we actually had our council approve a strategy on women in mining, and which was based on the white paper. And uh, there was an establishment of a, what can I, how can I put it? It's an institutional framework for women in mining. And so at the Minerals Council, we've got our board, but we also have a number of leadership forums and uh, Women in Mining was established as one of those leadership forums. The Women in Mining Leadership Forum is chaired by Norlita Fakude from Anglo-American. We also then had a technical task team which supports uh, Women in Mining, the leadership forum. So we've actually now got a structure in place. We have got uh, Uh, meetings. We have got a strategy that's approved, which we are implementing. I will tell you more about what we are implementing. It has moved very quickly because we we had sort of six priorities, uh, which included the establishment of the institutional framework. We also had work on COVID, including the the COVID-19 heroes, and uh, a communication sort of a framework, which we also put in place. And then we had the foundational measures. We identified seven foundational measures that the companies themselves need to ensure they put in place if we are to achieve our strategy and our targets on women in mining. So we have those foundational measures led by companies. So companies volunteered to lead and to 
be part of uh, the support mechanism for those foundational measures. And uh, I really look forward to telling you about all the progress that has been made by the ladies who are leading on those foundational measures. Some of the work has been approved already and some is still in the pipeline. Of course, you would appreciate that a lot of what we would do currently is very much related to establishing a base. Where are we now? So there's a lot of situation analysis which are being done, which we hope it will then inform us. In 2021, this is where we were. And when we do uh, something else, you know, like a, a survey or, or an assessment, we are then able to see if there is movement or not from that 12% of women when we actually have a target that by 2025 we should be on 30% of women. We know that it's a stretch target, but we believe in setting a high bar so that, you know, you can strive towards that. And uh, even if you don't get there, but at least you have set a bar which is quite high enough really for companies to institute change to try to uh, attain that target. Yeah, and Women in Mining South Africa sits on that Women in Mining task team. We're listening into that conversation as well. And our aim is to have roundtable discussions for each of the work streams in the future. So to publicize and have roundtable discussions with the, the stream leads. So let's let's talk about each of the, the work streams that you're busy working on at the moment. Um, so one of them is a gender and diversity reporting platform. What's that about? Oh, that one is very exciting. It's FM3, Foundational Measure 3, where we are developing a dashboard which can be used by the industry to report on specific um, indicators. And we are quite far advanced. Uh, we've There's been a lot of consultation. It's been co-created with the task team members. And uh, we also had an industry workshop to present the eight sort of prioritized indicators. We will then take these to the Women in Mining Leadership Forum. They are meeting very soon in the next week. And once they approve the indicators that we are coming up with, it means then that it can be rolled out into industry and companies can start to prepare to load data. The current frequency of loading is about every quarter that they will be expected to load data on that uh, dashboard. And we hope that in a year, for instance, uh, when companies load, uh, we are now in June. And so by July, August, definitely, there should be information which is in there. And therefore, next year in August, we hope to be able to see, you know, we were here last year, 2021, August. Now, in 2022, where are we? And that's the aim, really, that we are able to see and monitor progress in a very objective manner. So we really are quite excited uh, with the product that we are going to be proposing to the Leadership Forum. I think it's a great initiative. I work in business improvement and I always say if you can't measure it, you can't track it. You don't actually know where, we, where you're standing and, and we need to start somewhere with a baseline and then start measuring from there. So one of the work streams as well is all around uh, reaffirming zero tolerance for gender-based violence. Can you tell us more about that work stream? Now that work stream, it really links to a bigger cause regarding gender-based violence, sexual harassment. It's a national initiative led by the presidency. And so what the group decided to do is to do an initial assessment 
of what are the issues and uh, we then hope that ultimately companies will have systems in place to ensure that in fact it starts with education and conscientization of women and men starting with sometimes some people might not view uh, what they do as sexual harassment so ensuring that every employee is taken through and schooled and workshopped on the not being tolerant of sexual harassment and also gender-based violence. So that's the education and the conscientization. But ultimately then would want that each company has got reporting systems in place so that women are able to report men, of course, uh, our focus is on women, but we know that these things also do happen to men. But the companies must have a reporting system in place where women can report and they actually feel safe and they actually feel that the company will do something. So there must be consequences. It must be a question, mustn't be a question of, well, so many cases were reported, but there is no system in place to make sure that that complaint is completed to the satisfaction of the people that were involved. So currently that survey has not gone out yet. It's going to be establishing what is there at the company levels. Are there policies? Are there these supporting systems so that women can report and uh, that uh, there are consequences for people that either engage in gender-based violence or sexual harassment? So we hope that that initial assessment will also assist the FM to identify what are the key immediate needs, you know, what are the key things that need to be done to support companies to ensure that they do have those policies and those systems in place to ensure that we reduce gender-based violence and sexual harassment. Can I know you also have a, a gender-based violence hotline on the Minerals Council's webpage as well, so people can find the number on there as well if they wanted to report a, an incident. And, you know, it's, a, it's such a worthwhile cause because it aligns with what they're calling the, the second pandemic or the silent pandemic um, that goes along with, with COVID-19 as well. Definitely. One of the other work streams is around diversity and inclusion policies. What is that one about? That one is now specifically on policy development. Are there policies uh, that companies have regarding how to uh, improve their gender diversity, how to advance women in the workplace? And uh, that work stream has developed a framework which, in a way, itemizes all the things that you need to have in a policy that ensure that you cover everything around gender diversity. And so we have already sent that out to companies uh, with a note that they can check. If you have a policy, you can then check if the framework, your policies are aligned with what is in the framework or if there are gaps. And if there are gaps, then it means you are able to fill them. And also, if you do not have a policy, then we hope that the framework will assist you in being able to come up with a policy that meets the requirements. So overall, the aim is, yes, there are many ways in which you can skin a cat and therefore you can have multiple policies. But as far as possible, we want that there's a basic package in terms of what these policies contain which all our companies will ensure is there. And that's why then that framework was developed. And uh, we said by January next year, we are looking at companies will have 
assess that framework in terms against their policies and that if there are gaps, they will have filled those. And in a way, then we're looking at probably around uh, January next year, doing an assessment of where are we with policies. And we hope that it will mean that the gaps that were there have been filled, if there were any, in our companies. Yeah, I mean, this will also make a great topic for a talk at our Diversity and Inclusion Conference in August, which we're hosting with SAIMM. So I might reach out to the Workstream uh, lead in that specific topic to maybe come and tell us what that's all about. There's another topic around unconscious bias training to transform culture. Uh, That is also a very big one because, you know, people arrive at work already being adults and they are now faced with, I mean, there are men who probably never thought they would ever have to work with women because for them, Mining is macho, it's a man's job, and therefore they never saw a place for women. And so those are the things that unconscious bias, in fact, there's conscious biases. There are those who overtly are biased against women. But the unconscious bias is focusing more on there's a lot which has to do with our upbringing and the status of women that we have accepted over time. And so a lot of companies have had training, which it's not so much training, but it's peeling and revealing for them how much bias, unconscious bias there is. You know, even for women, we might find that we are biased against our own gender because of the upbringing that we have had and the socialization and the environment that we are in. So this AFM, they are looking at more training being available so that companies are able to go through that process of assisting their employees to identify that they've got these unconscious biases and therefore they are able to attend and address them because if you continue with your unconscious bias then life will continue as usual and you will tell yourself i'm actually very gender uh, neutral or gender sensitive but actually if you go through that training you will see that there's a lot which you have which needs to be you need to be aware of and you therefore need to adjust because you are now aware that you know you have got these unconscious biases so it's very crucial it's about the culture of an organization and uh, as you know you know the culture of the organization really determines what happens and i must say that What is encouraging is that within our Women in Mining Leadership Forum and even the task team, we've got quite a number of men who are involved. This has been our conscious decision that we cannot transform to advantage women if we do not include men. So we have men in our structures and it contributes to the discussion. It contributes to the awareness of how the other side, you know, looks at women. So we have found that quite powerful. And uh, so, as I say, culture, and again, culture is about leadership. And a lot of our leaders we have found are quite committed, even the male leaders, they are quite committed to ensuring that there is a change in mining and that women feel at home just as men do feel at home within mining. So we, again, believe that that uh, foundational measure is very important to shift the attitudes towards women in the workplace. And by when do you think that training package will be available for mining companies to use? 
we have been trying not to sort of bombard our members because there's this year, as I said, there's a lot of situational analysis, so surveys that have gone out. And so this uh, FM, we, we haven't put a timeline yet for their product. Uh, and I'm saying that because some of them have been scheduled. Uh, there's a pulse check survey that will be going out in September. And so we also didn't want to bombard our members and they really can't uh, do everything. I mean, an example is that we just closed on a survey which was looking at FM6 and 7. FM6 and 7 are on the physical environment and uh, personal pro protective equipment. So that was assessing where are we with having achieved that because it had been identified as something that is a basic, you know, all companies by now are expected to have looked after the physical environment, the facilities for women, the PPE for women. So that survey is, again, going to be quite an eye-opener, I think, for our leadership to say, where are we in something we thought should be a tick by now? And we're getting on to other things. And so, as I have said, we didn't want to bombard our members. We've had that survey and uh, there's another one which is going out uh, just now. And we've got September lined up and probably it will be towards the end of the year that uh, we will be looking at something related to unconscious bias. And you mentioned a pulse check survey. What is that one about? Uh, pulse check surveys, it's a, you know, you use it within your company. It's like checking on a whole range of things in the company which are related to diversity. Um, it's, it's like you've put in policies, you've put in initiatives, and you then want to check where it's like checking the pulse on a person. The organization, where is it at on a number of variables? And again, some of the companies that have done this have said it's a very powerful tool which identifies for you where the gaps are and the areas that you can improve on. So we have the FM leads have developed a generic pulse check survey that we can then send through to the companies around September and the companies can use it to sort of get a sense of within their company, you know, how things are going. But we also hope that we'll be able to collapse all of that data uh, and, and collate it so that there is maybe a picture that we can see across the industry from the various pulse check surveys that companies will have conducted. Okay, it sounds like you have quite a lot of work going on in these task teams and, yes. and leadership forums. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of all of those work streams. Um, they're all very, yeah. very valuable. So last year, the Minerals Council hosted the first ever National Day of Women in Mining. It was on the 21st of August. So are we going to do that again this year? We are definitely doing it again. We believe that these national days are powerful ways in which the industry congregates on one event. Because we must always remember, companies out there have got a lot of things that they are doing on their own. But we just want everyone at one point to say we are all stopping as, you know, and recognizing that as an industry, this is what we're doing. So this is similar to we have a, an annual health and safety day. And it is, again, for the industry to recognize what are we doing, how, what have we achieved, what must still be done. So it's the same. We had, that was our first uh, Women in Mining National Day, and uh, we are planning to do the same this year. 
and uh, we would include our stakeholders. You know, I have to mention that we also recognize that as much as the Minerals Council has this Women in Mining initiative, there are many uh, Women in Mining initiatives that have been there in companies themselves. Mine Health and Safety Council has had a Women in Mining initiative for a long time. They now even have a committee that's recognized within the council. They've got regional representatives on women in mining, but their focus, of course, is sort of more on health and safety. Uh, we appreciate women. WIMSA has been there a long time looking at mainly the professional needs of women, mentoring, and uh, the DMRE is also uh, having uh, interventions on women in mining. So one of the things we, we decided to do was actually to bring together all, everyone who is working on women in mining so that we see what we are all doing, where are our, the overlaps, where are the areas where we can work together so that this is we are serving the same industry. So, for instance, if we are having a workshop, a, 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 a conference, and it's good that SAIMM is having a workshop together, a conference together with WIMSA, so that you don't find that in August month, then Minerals Council is having a conference on this date, and WIMSA is having another one, and SAIMM, and, uh, you know, everyone is having a workshop, the same industry. So what we have done is to, you know, pull together, and I think we identified a number of areas where we can work together. So when we have our Women in Mining Day, we will also ensure that we bring in the stakeholders into that initiative so that, again, we are cross-pollinating and we are ensuring that we each know what the other is doing and we support each other's initiatives. Yeah, I'm looking forward to participating in that event again this year. You're also one of our WIMSA patrons. So what does that mean for you to be part of our patron network? Um, it's been an honor, really, to be a WIMSA patron, especially because a lot of the women in mining in South Africa, uh, sort of the audience, the, the, the participants, the people who are part of WIMSA, it turns to be the technical people, you know, the engineers, the geologists, and other people who are in that mining space. So being from a health background, I, I thought I'd bring something different. And so it has been quite a, a, an honor and a, very interesting to be part of developing women in the mining industry, because I guess really all anyone can contribute. If you have got the passion around uh, the development of women, the advancement of women, then anyone from whatever background can be part of that patron, be a champion for issues of uh, women in mining. So I, I really appreciate the role that I was given there. Yeah, women's patrons are role models. So it's people that other women in the mining industry can look up to and also advocates for women's and, and we, we call on you guys to sometimes talk at conferences and do things for us as well. So, so thanks for being one of our patrons. We appreciate it. Um, so what is your vision for women in mining in the South African mining industry? Do you think there'll ever be a situation where we no longer need women in mining groups? Uh, we'll probably need women in mining groups for a very long time. You just need to look at society, you know, how it is structured, how society uh, views women, especially in South Africa. I mean, South Africa has uh, some of the highest levels of patriarchy. And so those do impact on the workplace. 
And I think we will definitely need women in mining structures for some time to come. The future I see, though, or I hope for, is that mining will shift from being this labor-intensive industry, which puts women at a disadvantage because physically we are not as strong as men. But one is hoping we'll shift from that to a far more modern form of mining. And in fact, at Minerals Council, we have got a whole wing on modernization. And one of our priorities, in fact, of women in mining is modernization, because we see that as a very big opportunity for women to find a space. Because if you modernize, you then have mines which do not require physical work, which are operated from remotely, for instance, or where there's far more mechanization, then the role for women, you know, increases. We have seen this with, for instance, uh, truck driving, machinery operators, a lot of women. In fact, we tend to even be at an advantage there because we take less risks and so we do become safer. We all know about the insurance where it's cheaper for women than for men. So I see a great opportunity for women in the future when we have really shifted more towards the mechanization, the modernization of the mining industry. And therefore, the jobs really don't require a, a physical strength, but it's more anyone really can do the job. So I see great opportunities going into the future. But um, yeah, definitely we'll always need to be watching. And so those women in mining structures will be there for some time to come. Yeah, I'm hoping we get to a point where we're not advocating for 50-50 or equality or that sort of thing anymore. We just get together as women in mining groups because we like each other's company. You know, I like we can, I hope we can get to that point where we don't have to be pushing for numbers anymore. It's just that we're organizing a networking event and, and we're inviting a number of women to come and join us. Yes. So with that said, um, thanks very much for joining me in the studio today, Tatula. Very nice to speak to you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thanks for joining us today, listeners. To find out more about WIMSA, follow us on our social media or go to wimsa.org.za. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.